Well, hello everyone, it's John Paul, the car doctor, back for another program, and this time uh, I think we have something pretty good going up. You know, maybe you're thinking about buying a new car and selling the car you have, and you want to try to get the most money for it, and you've seen some of the ads with CarMax and Vroom and others, and you wonder, where can I get the most for, for my car? Should I just trade it in? Should I sell it on my own? Well, we're going to be talking with Josh Cobert. Uh, he writes for a financial publication. He'll explain who he works for when we talk with him. So we're going to be talking with him. Also, we're going to be reviewing the 2022 Honda Passport. No, not that minivan that was, well, it wasn't a great minivan. Uh, it was sort of half made by Isuzu and half made by Honda. Uh, no, this is a uh, SUV. It's a five-passenger SUV. Think Honda Pilot, only a little bit smaller. Uh, but basically, a, a Honda Pilot somewhere under there, but a little bit rougher uh, Honda Pilot, and by rougher, I mean ready to go off-road uh, and kind of go on that road less traveled, I guess would be a good way to call it. And then, of course, we'll be uh, reviewing some of the um, emails that we've gotten. And also, this is kind of almost weird, um, got a pen in the mail, and I get stuff in the mail periodically. Uh, you know, we were talking with the um, folks from SeaTac the other day, and uh, I got one of their battery chargers. They're a SeaTac CS Free, which is the uh, solar battery charger. It's kind of a self-contained battery maintainer. So I'm a big fan of maintaining your batteries, making sure you keep them in good condition. They last longer that way. So the less they cycle from low to high, the better off they are, the longer they're going to last. So my cars that don't get driven, and I don't have a fleet of cars, but I have a car that doesn't get driven very much and it stays on a battery tender, which is the brand that I've always used. SeaTac is sort of what seems to be the next step above that and in this case they have one that's completely cordless so if you're someplace where you don't have the ability to plug in a battery maintainer this self-contained unit will do it at least for a limited period of time so it can kind of bring the battery up to a full charge and it'll keep it that way for a few days so you charge it up periodically you go back to wherever the car is plug it in and that maintains the battery keeps it fully charged or in the case of this one there's a solar panel and it's a pretty substantial solar panel it fits in almost like a little briefcase kind of thing you unzip it and you can sit it next to the car and uh, if you're somebody who goes camping uh, you have an RV something like that it could be a perfect way to keep your house battery so the battery that powers all the accessories in your uh, RV fully charged I suppose you could do it if you had a big enough boat or something too so it's a way to keep your battery charged so um, I do get things in the mail periodically and the one I've got in the mail this time is a pen and it's a pen from Fisher and it's called the space pen and if anybody was a Seinfeld fan uh, there was a episode of Seinfeld where uh, there was a whole conversation about the space pen and how it writes upside down and writes in space and everything else and one of the reasons when I worked as a mechanic uh, I always had a silver cross pen, and people said to me, oh, that's a pretty good pen. Why do you, why do you keep that? And I said, first off, a couple of reasons. I'm not going to use it to do things like block a vacuum line, which some people do, and the first time they used a regular, like, big pen to block a vacuum line, it sucked all the ink out of it. Uh, also, 
they don't leak, which is nice, so you don't have a blue stain in your pocket. And the most important reason is, if uh, if I happen to be working the counter that day, or somebody came in and I happen to write up an invoice, um, I would be able to give them a nice clean pen rather than some pen that looked like I, I found it on the street and it had you know greasy fingerprints all over it. So even if my hands weren't perfectly clean, I could give the pen a quick wipe off, and it was you know customers kind of appreciated. They weren't um, they weren't picking up this pen and going ew I don't want to touch that. So it was a nice clean way to do it. Well, this Fisher pen kind of is the same idea. It's 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 small, it's light, it writes upside down. So if a parts store came in and wanted me to sign an invoice, a pen like this would have been pretty handy to do it with. And uh, it's a it's a pretty nice little pen, I have to admit. It's So it's the Fisher Space Pen. So now Jerry Seinfeld and I have something in common. So coming up next, we're going to be talking with Josh Cobert. He is the one who... Uh, author to study about where you can get the most for your car and that will be coming up next well certainly a lot of people are thinking about their car and is it worth more than they think there are and from what i understand the idea of googling where can i get the most for my car it went up like three billion percent or some crazy number and with us is the author of an interesting study josh can you can you give us a little bit of background about why you decided to do this study and were there some things that surprised you sure uh so i work for a company called finance buzz we're a personal finance website and we cover anything that can relate to personal finance which really can be anything uh when it comes to the automotive industry Things like car insurance, your car payments, how you can save on that, it all ties into personal finance. And one hot issue, like you mentioned, is uh, the market for used cars, any cars really right now, is um, red hot. Uh, anyone trying to sell a car has lots of options in front of them. And one that is becoming more and more popular, you're seeing ads for it all the time, is these websites like CarMax, Carvana, whatever, where you can sort of put in a bunch of information and they'll give you an offer in minutes on your car. They'll come pick it up, make it simple, easy, super convenient to sell your car. Um, and knowing that and knowing how many sites there are out there like that. Now we decided to take a look at, at three of the biggest ones, CarMax, Carvana and Vroom, and just put in a bunch of cars in all three of them and see which one offers you the most, where people can get the best value or, or the best offer when they are trying to sell their car in uh in a way that is really convenient for them yeah i've seen i just uh, came up the other day i was watching tv and i saw i think it was the carvana commercial and it's like uh you know everybody thinks about of us when it comes time to buy a car maybe not thinking about selling your own car and they said it's easy take a couple of pictures a picture of your license plate send it in and it shows you know a truck showing up and a, and someone handing a check to somebody um First off, is it really that easy? Um, I mean, it seems like it. You know, Carvana in particular, I know exactly which ad you're talking about. I see it all the time, too. Uh, you know, people know them from their sort of car vending machine gimmick, that thing where, you know, you buy a car online, they'd send you a big chip and you'd go to their little store and put it in the car, car comes down. Um, I have sold, which by the uh, way, I really want to do someday just to see the car come out of the vending machine, but I kind of do too. I, my wife and I actually, we're trying to buy a car right now. So it might, we'll see we're shopping all over the place. Maybe we'll get a chance to do that soon. 
but I've actually sold a car years ago, actually, before these became super popular. I, I actually did sell a car this way. I had a, an old Hyundai that wouldn't work, uh, couldn't drive it anywhere. And I just I was up front, said it doesn't run. It's got this, 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 and this is this old. Um, and I got an, an offer for what I thought was a pretty reasonable amount, given the condition of the car. And they came right to my apartment, picked it up. They just said, hey, we're here. Do you have the keys? That's all I had to do was give them the keys. Yeah. Uh, and they literally handed me a check. Um, and I think these bigger name sites probably have an even better process than yeah. an even liquor one. And, and, it, and it really also makes sense when you are thinking about shopping, too, because, you know, some people might say, well, maybe I can make a little bit more money trying to sell it on my own. But then you have to deal with the frauds of all of that, the the fake bank checks, the, you know, hey, I'm sending you a little extra money because that's going to cover the transportation costs and come to find out, you know, it's, the whole thing's fake. And uh, at least if you know you're dealing with Carvana and Broom and CarMax, they're very legitimate companies that, mm -hmm. um, that you know, Carvana just bought one of the largest car auction companies in the world for like, 2.3 billion dollars so certainly you know you know you're dealing with the legitimate company but is there a difference are they all using the same algorithm to come up with the price or does the price vary so that's that's the heart of the study and what we came what, what we looked at and i'll tell you what they definitely are not using the same algorithm we tried to be as consistent as we could about car quality uh, and all sorts of things but each of these sites asks different questions that they they use uh, you know Vroom, actually, I think, is asked the most detailed questions. Carvana was was very simple. CarMax was kind of in between um, and the amount of questions they asked and what, what they wanted to look at. Um, but when we did this, we tried to be as consistent as we could across um, all of them. And we found that no matter how old your car is, no matter if it's a car, an SUV, a truck, a van, uh, no matter how many miles are on it, CarMax was easily uh, most likely to give you the, the best offer. Across the 100 different vehicles we looked at, 63% of the time, CarMax had the best offer. And CarMax's average offer across those 100 cars was over $1,000 higher than Carvana and twelve and uh, $1,100 higher than Vroom. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. And it it's interesting that it's a little bit different than what I did. And maybe it's a year or so, a friend of mine who lives outside of Washington, D.C., she was getting rid of her fairly late model Toyota 4Runner, and she tried all three, and she actually got the best deal through CarMax, which, and, and they were close, though. They were within several hundred dollars of each other, but I think maybe as CarMax is um, maybe just trying to expand and expand, they're, 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 they're able to pay a little bit more money. Um, did as you were kind of having to fill out this sort of you know what's the car like thing were there any questions that sort of surprised you like you know do you do you have pets did you smoke in the car did you you know have you know uh uh information about maybe previous damage or repairs yeah so you mentioned one that that caught me off guard is you know how i think Two of the three, I believe, maybe all three asked about smoking, um, which is, you know, I'm not a smoker. It's not a thing I've thought about, but I totally understand that it impacts how the car smells and right. things they've got to fix up. One, I can't remember which one, but one actually very interesting. If you indicated that there was any kind of interior damage and specifically they asked if there was like cracking in the seats, if they're leather. 
it would ask you to give them a specific number. And I thought that was so strange or, or just so interesting to think about having to go out to your car and just count like, all right, there's one, two, three, four, five, there's six, all right, six little cracks. And I got to tell them that exact number. And I, I can't imagine how anything more than one or two should really change the value because it feels like you're going to have to just redo the whole thing no matter what at that point. But they, they wanted that specific number. I thought that was, that was something that kind of stuck with me as being a little odd. Did you learn anything about the ability to maybe spiff up your car a little bit to get more money for it? I mean, if you know, I know you guys just kind of took a hundred random car choices, I guess, and said, mm -hmm. okay, this is what we're going to do. But did you get a feeling that if you kind of, you know, threw away all the old French fries and, you know, empty Coke cans that you'd get more for the car than if you didn't do that? You can definitely, if you fudge the numbers or fudge the, the uh, condition a little bit, I think you definitely can get a little bit more out of an offer. Um, you know, one thing that this is a, a process that took a long time in terms of finding, you know, we had to find real VIN numbers that were available, right. real data and all this stuff. But the process of putting it into each of these websites only takes a couple minutes. That's part of their appeal. It's the convenience you can get a, an offer really, really quickly. Uh, but as a result of that, sometimes you might misclick something and that actually led us to a little bit of findings that, you know, the difference between, you know, if you accidentally click that the car doesn't run great or is not in, it's in okay condition versus good condition, especially when it comes to the motor, can have had a huge impact on the results. Like we'd put in a result for one website and it'd be like way different than the other two. And we'd go back and we'd realize, oh, we clicked the middle option instead of the left option. And that was like thousands of dollars of difference sometimes. So yeah. if you've got a car that runs okay, but you say it runs great, that might you know change your offer. And that's something that it might take a while for a CarMax or a Carvana or a Vroom to figure out, maybe you said that wrong and who knows what they do if they'd catch that in an inspection or never catch it if they even care. Yeah. Um, but I think that is the, the biggest way if you really were to try to game the system a little bit, something like that's the way to go. Yeah, and it, it does seem interesting that, like you said, you can point out to certain things. And I think most people, most people, probably not everyone thinks their car is in way better shape than it really is. Mm -hmm. yeah. I agree. I think that's, that is the thing is how good are you at assessing it on your own? And I, the, the one part of this that I wish I had more information on is we never actually sold anything, obviously, because right. these cars we didn't actually have. So I, I don't know the, the second part of this, which is does CarMax, Carvana, do they send someone out? Do they inspect it against a checklist to make sure you were telling the truth or how accurate you are? And does that impact the offer? Can that get the offer to come? Like if I, I, we don't have that kind of information. We just looked at what kind of offer yeah. you can get in hand quickly. But that's the thing that I think would be very interesting to take a deeper look at if, if someone had the time. Now, you mentioned that, you know, in some cases, the price was significantly different between the two. Did it seem to have any correlation in popularity of vehicles? Like, did you know, did you pick a Jeep versus a Camry versus a Buick kind of thing? So we don't have a large enough sample size to go into sort of make and model to that degree. But you did actually hit on something that I have uh, that, I, I, you know, I'm looking at my data before this interview and, and just double checking things. Um, specifically, uh, SUVs obviously have become very popular in the last decade or two. Yeah. Um, they, that's what everybody seems to want. That's what Mike, like I said, my wife and I are trying to buy a car. We're trying to buy an SUV. Uh, 
So like I said, CarMax had the best offer for cars, trucks, SUVs, and vans. But when it comes to SUVs, they are even better than their competitors. The average uh, offer from CarMax for SUVs in this survey was just shy, or this analysis was just shy of $18,000. It was only sixteen four at Carvana and sixteen one at Vroom. So over $1,500 difference at Carvana and almost $2,000 uh, for Vroom. So when it comes to SUVs, CarMax really, really wants to get your SUV back yeah. in there. They, they want it in their hands. And does, you know, as part of your sample size, did the region you live in play, did you use different zip codes to see if that made any kind of difference? Did you use, you know, Florida, Boston, Dallas, or anything like that? So we didn't explore it too closely. That was a component at early stages. We weren't noticing very big uh, differences, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't really catching anything. I, I was switching zip codes around and seeing if it did have any kind of an impact. I didn't notice anything, but again, we we only looked at that at very minimally in a small amount. So it could be uh, still something out there that could give you a couple hundred dollars here or a couple hundred dollars yeah. there. Um, but I, I have no definitive data, yeah. unfortunately. Sorry. And did it make a difference where the nearest, for want of a better word, store is? Like if, you know, I, I know, I think it's right outside of Orlando, there's the CarMax vending, uh, the uh, Carvana vending machine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you were doing something there and the proximity was closest versus Vroom, which I believe is 100% virtual, uh, where CarMax is, is well, getting to be both, I guess, at this point. But um, did it make any difference that way if you were close to a, a, a CarMax dealership or close to a Carvana dealership? No, you're giving me great ideas for like a follow-up piece. <laughs> um, again, it's not a thing we totally looked at very closely, but I, I kind of, now that you mentioned it, we didn't even really think about it. Now I kind of want to do it. I want to map out where all these are and, and take a look and see, you know, I kind of want to do that. So that, yeah. that's an idea, but unfortunately don't have any insights there either. Yeah. Well, and, and this is, and this is the time where, you know, you can not only trade in your own car, but you can go get that giant coin and put it in the vending machine and you and your wife can really watch want to do that can, can watch the next Honda, your next Honda CRV come to the bottom of the machine. So yeah, yeah. should Absolutely. be a great time. No, and if people want to find out more information about the study, read the study in its entirety, where do they go to do that? Uh, the website is financebuzz.com. If people want to read more or, or check out the full study, including uh, some, some of our analysis and graphics with a lot of the information, percentages, offers, all kinds of stuff. It's uh, on financebuzz.com. The title yeah. of the article is, Does CarMax Rumor Carvana Pay the Most for Your Used Car? So they should be able to find it that way pretty yeah. easily. It's it, and it sounds like it sounds like you know the the ease of being able to do this, the ease of being able to just simply download the three apps in your phone, for instance, and just start clicking away, find the best deal, and again doing it without sort of the headaches involved in trying to sell some things. I, I've I haven't sold a car in quite a while, but I've I recently moved, and I uh, you know there was some stuff I tried to sell, and between people not showing up and you know. I want $500 for it. And you show up with the hundred dollars in your pocket, open and walk away with it. And, you know, it, and I'm sure the same thing happens with this where, you know, here's legitimate companies and you're, you've done quite a service for people to be able to say, Hey, look, you know, this is what we found. And maybe it might not work perfectly for you. You know, maybe in, you know, maybe Carvana isn't going to be the best price, but on the other hand, 
search them out, see what they all are, find out what find out what's going to be the best price for your car when it's time for you to get rid of that car and sell it or trade it, trade it in or have the cash in your pocket ready to go buy something new. Yeah, absolutely. These sites, uh, the whole point of them is convenience, not having to go to a lot, to a dealership, to anywhere and, and haggle with figuring out a trade-in value. Sometimes you might lose a little bit here when you're buying and selling, but you're paying for the convenience. And for some people, that's more than worth it. And, and yeah, exactly. We might, like you said, sure, uh, CarMax is best 63, 64% of the time, but that still leaves, you know, 30 something percent where they're not. Right. So you right. can still check around. But with this study, we feel like we're giving people a really good idea of where they should start and sort of, you know, start here and then compare, see if anyone can stack up to that offer. And, and that's kind of what we wanted to do. Yeah. And even, and you just, you just brought up a really good point start here and compare and then maybe if there is a local used car dealer new car dealer in your area and you can mm -hmm. say hey, look carvana was going to give me fourteen thousand dollars for my car you're offering me 10 well either i can go trade it in with carvana and come back with the fourteen thousand dollars in cash in my pocket or you can make your offer better so mm -hmm. it gives you a, it gives you a different negotiating uh chip at the same time which which again makes makes that pretty invaluable and you can legitimately say hey look i got these three offers from these three companies they're all within hundreds of dollars of each other but your offer for a trade in is $4000 difference no there's got to be there's got to be some room in here for you mm -hmm. guys to change your price and like an old store i was in in maine said we buy junk and we sell antiques and sort of the theory is the car dealer you know, you come in and kind of, you know, yours is a piece of junk until they wash it and wax it. Then mm -hmm. it's a, then it's a pristine vehicle for sale. And, you know, here you have this ability to be able to say, look, no, I have legitimate offers on, on the car. They're willing to come out and hand me a check. What can you do to match that? And I think you've given, you've given uh, our listeners a, a really powerful bargaining tool. I, I hope so. We, that's what we want to do. Finance buzz. We want to empower the everyday person to have better control of their personal finances and and have that kind of negotiating ability to to get the best deal when they're selling their car, maybe even when they're buying it. So I'd uh, love to hear that it was well received. And, and we do hope it helps people uh, who are in this process. Well, Josh, thank you for your time and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. So some pretty interesting stuff trying to figure out where to get the most for your car. Do you go? Um, do you go? To CarMax, do you go to Vroom, do you go to Carvana, do you sell it on your own? Remember, if you are selling it on your own and versus what a dealer is going to give you for a trade-in, remember when you trade that car in, the difference is that trade-in price comes off your sales tax. So if the numbers aren't too far apart, do the math calculation to find out is it really better to try to sell it on your own and make that maybe extra thousand or two thousand dollars or is it better to trade it in with the dealer and know that you're going to pay less sales tax just one more thing to keep in mind uh, if you need to get a hold of me if you want to get a hold of me and talk to me about your car best way to do it is always send me an email that's jpaul at aaanortheast.com or if you're in my AAA club area go to aaa.com slash car doctor and you can leave me a message there and you can see some of the things I've written lately and uh, you can also uh, you can also find of course my newspaper columns in, in Newsday, the Boston Globe online, uh, Providence Journal, the Quincy Sun periodically as well as the Yankee Express and there's a bunch of newspapers up in central and western New York, the Saratogian, the, the uh, 
uh, newspaper up in Troy, some good solid daily newspapers, and you can find my column there. Usually that runs on, those run on Sunday. So I do get a variety of questions, and this one's actually an old car question. This person has a 1974 Torino. They've done a ton of work to it. It has the 351 Cleveland engine in it rather than the Windsor engine. The car only has 61,000 miles on it. They purchased the car last year. It's been to many shows. It's won awards. But the problem is they think it runs hot. It runs about 210 degrees. They've added an upgraded radiator, added an electric cooling fan, replaced a thermostat. And these cars used a bypass plate. And uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. And so they've done all these changes, and it was supposed to bring the engine temperature down to 180 to 200 degrees. It's still running at 210. And the other issue is one side of the engine runs hotter than the other when they measure it with an infrared temperature gun. And they're like, do I need to rebuild the cylinder heads? I don't think there's anything actually wrong with the car. Uh, a standard radiator cap and a mix of 50% engine coolant and water will bring the boiling point up to 260 degrees. Um, if it's running at 210 in traffic, that might actually be normal. Um, as you point out, the uh, Cleveland engines have this water restrictor plate under the thermostat. And, well, it's kind of next to the thermostat. And basically what it does is it slows down some of the uh, water as it circulates through the engine. And the reason is sometimes uh, people are under the kind of misimpression that if you pull a thermostat out, the engine's going to run cooler. Well, what happens is the coolant's going so fast, it doesn't have time to get the heat pulled away. And that's what the radiator does. The radiator doesn't actually cool the engine. It actually pulls the heat out of the hot water. And if it's circulating so fast, it won't have a chance to do that. And that's why there's little restrictor plates in there. But some of the aftermarket ones are not exactly like the factory one, so you might want to look at that. Again, it's I think it might be perfectly normal, and the idea that um, one side of the engine is running a little bit hotter than the other, as long as it's not excessive, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Remember, the water has to circulate from one side of the engine to the other, so there's always going to be one side that's a little bit cooler than the other side. So I'm not so sure there's really anything wrong with it. Here's a nice simple question. person with a uh, 2015 Honda Civic, they change their antifreeze every three years, and they do notice in these last few hot days when it's hot um, and the air conditioner is on, they notice a puddle of water underneath the car, and um, they're a little confused. They're like, is that normal? Uh, is it something to do with the antifreeze? It's got nothing to do with the antifreeze. It has to do with what air conditioners do when they take the humidity out of the air. So basically what it is, it's water draining from the evaporator. Uh, there's a drain in the evaporator, and it's a normal uh, operation of the air conditioner. In fact, if it wasn't doing that, if you didn't see a little puddle under the car on a hot day, I'd be concerned that the evaporated drain is clogged and it's not allowing that water to drain, which can turn into mold and mildew and slosh around, even to the point where uh, I've seen it literally gallons of water drain out of some of these evaporator housings and into the ductwork to the point where um, I remember a Toyota Corolla that came in to the AAA Diagnostic Center, and the person said, there's a sloshing noise I hear all the time, and um, sure enough, it, the water would actually come into the inside of the car. And we looked up and saw where the evaporator drain was. It was nice and out in the open. And uh, put a little wire up there and pulled out some of the pine needles that were holding it in place. And literally gallons of water came out of it. So uh, that can happen. So you want to make sure it's nice and clean. And, you, and that, again, will prevent mold and mildew building up. So something, something you want to take care of and make sure that you know, you do that, and if you take care of your car, it's going to, you know, I hate to 
sound corny about it, but it's going to take care of you, and it and it really does it really does make sense to try to really keep your car in as good a shape as you can keep it. Well, I promised we would talk about the uh, 2022 Honda Passport, and the Honda Passport is a two-row, five-passenger SUV. Uh, think of the Passport as a shorter, more aggressive version of the very popular Honda Pilot. The Passport's available in four trim levels, EXL with two-wheel drive, EXL with all-wheel drive, top-of-the-line Elite. And the subject of our road test, the Trail Sport, for 2022 Passport's extended and expanded list of standard, features, standard safety features also includes um, some real comfortable things too, like power adjustable uh, front seats, heated front seats even, 8-inch uh, display audio system with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto integration, wireless smartphone charging, but not wireless CarPlay, at least not in the for me at least. Our TrailSpot model uh, Passport features standard all-wheel drive with a 10 millimeter increase in track width to improve stance and stability. I wonder how they did that. I wonder if it was just different wheels. The tires also have more aggressive tread and a more rugged look. Also the TrailSport looks a bit different than its siblings with the unique drill treatment and more aggressive front and rear bumpers that include skid plate designs and prominently painted silver. The cabin features an orange contrast stitching with TrailSport logos embroidered on the head restraints and molded into the heavy rubber all-weather floor mats. TrailSport also features power folding side mirrors, I guess handy if you're on narrow trails and a heated windshield wiper parking area to keep wipers from getting stuck in northeast winters. So if you're one of those wiper-up people, um, you don't necessarily have to do it. And I've never seen a car manufacturer that recommends putting the wipers in the kind of service position, so up away from the windshield. So if you're one of those people, good for you, but I don't do it, and I don't think people should do it. The cabin of our trail sport was very nice with the majority of the controls well-placed. The shifter is a push-button arrangement. Um, which I'm not a huge fan of, but after a couple of days, it became second nature to use. The radio controls are lacking an easy-to-use selector, station selector knob. There are plenty of storage bins with 12-volt power points for electrical accessories, as well as a 120-volt power outlet. The other nit I had to pick, I guess, was although there is wireless charging in my, in the case in my car, I couldn't get Apple CarPlay to work without plugging it in. The large infotainment display is bright and clear and doesn't wash out when the sunroof is open. Safety is addressed with what has become typical driver safety features such as forward collision warning, automatic braking, lane departure warning, lane mitigation. These are things we're starting to see in every vehicle these days. In fact, automatic emergency braking will be standard in vehicles built after the 2022 model year. The front seats are comfortable and supportive. Also, the rear seats are pretty comfortable for two adults and at least three for a short trip. Um, I'm, it's, a, it's a very comfortable vehicle. On the road, the Passport handles well. It has a slightly firm but comfortable ride. The 18-inch uh, tires and wheels on the Trailsport version, I think, really help improve the ride over maybe the 20-inch wheels that would come on a standard uh, Pilot, for instance. The 280 horsepower V6 engine uh, gives the Passport a surprisingly quick feel. Again, the same engine that's in the Pilot and the 9-speed automatic transmission shifts smoothly and confidently. Always seems to land in the right gear. Fuel economy, not really a strong point. The EPA rates the Passport 19 city and 24 miles per the uh, per gallon on the highway. I average just a smidge over 20 miles per gallon. 
Well, here's what I really think. The Honda Passport's a hidden gem in the midsize SUV category. If you don't need three rows of seats and you're looking for a vehicle to carry four adults, handle moderate off-road travel, and can carry lots of cargo and tow a boat, a camper or a toy trailer, look at the Honda Passport. It's, I think it tows up to about 5,000 pounds, so it does a really good job. Might even tow a little bit more than that, but certainly it has what it takes. And again, if you're somebody who's looking for just a, a little bit, and I said it in the beginning of the podcast, a little rougher kind of, and I don't mean rough around the edges, I mean a little bit more rugged version of a Honda Pilot, look at the Honda Passport. And again, you're getting that kind of legendary Honda uh, performance where you know, they tend to just hold up really, really well. Well, that's it for now. We'll do another podcast probably coming up, who knows, maybe in as soon as a few days. And that's one of the things different than the radio show. The podcast, we can do it whenever we want. And uh, we have a couple of interviews coming up. Uh, the all-new Ford Raptor with a high-performance 700-horsepower engine. We're going to be talking to the folks from Ford about that. And also... Um, there's now a police version of the, I believe it's the police version of the Bronco. So we'll have to hear a little bit more about that as coming up. I haven't, haven't talked to those folks yet, but that will be coming up. And uh, also, a little bit more in the future, we're going to be talking to Matt DiLorenzo. He, um, uh, I've known him over the years for writing different articles and books and websites, but he's uh, written a book about how to buy a used EV. And if you've watched the news lately, you saw the young woman down in Florida who bought a used Ford Focus EV. And I guess she had it for about six months and the battery went bad in it. And the battery, I think, was going to be $18,000. And that Ford wasn't even sure they could get one. And she only paid $12,000 for the car. So she ended up selling it for, I think, $500 and uh, had to walk away from it. So in Hopefully she didn't, have, hopefully who knows what's going to happen. So, you know, if she took out a loan to buy a $12,000 car or took $12,000 out of the bank, well, now she doesn't have a car and she's out $11,500. So not good. So that's what we got coming up in the future. Uh, as always, uh, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. And if you see emergency vehicles by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.